All right, what's up, everybody, and uh, welcome to uh, Gaming History 101's podcast. Uh, this week, we are celebrating the, I believe it's the 19th anniversary of the Panasonic, or not the Panasonic, I'm tempted to call it the Panasonic 3DO, but it's actually just the 3DO. Um, and uh, I am Fred Rojas, your, uh, your always uh, faithful uh, host, and joining me for the first time on a Gaming History 101 podcast is uh, the wonderful Sean Freeman from the Knuckleball Cast. Say hi, Sean. Hello. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, dude. You know, you, you talked to me the other day about 3DOs, and I was an owner, man, so I'm pretty stoked to be here. Well, thank you. It's great to have you on. You've got uh, an amazing amount of positive energy. Your show brings it 110% every week, and um, I've always loved being on the show. So it's it's awesome to have you in here, especially because um, you're kind of like me. You're one of those people who likes to toss out video game names, and like we both are like, oh, yeah, I remember that, and then we can just kind of bounce off that. Um, yeah. So this is kind of, in a way, going to be the ultimate knuckleball cast, because all we're going to do is bounce off each other. Dude, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So um, real quick, just so people know kind of what we're going at here, um, I will be giving some insight as to what I'm going to be doing this month on uh, Gaming History 101, but I'll get into that at the end of the show. Um, and uh, like all my shows, whether they be solo or not, um, we're going to go into a little bit of history. So, um, so uh, Sean, you're welcome to uh, uh, interrupt me at any time if you... Uh, um, have something to say about a particular subject, but I'm going to get into real quick how the 3DO came about and possibly why very few people owned this uh, very interesting console. So, um, Real quick, the 3DO company, um, which for those that don't know, stands for three-dimensional operating system. So that's where they get 3DO from um, as a... Uh, as a hardware slash software manufacturer, uh, it was essentially formed by Electronic Arts' Trip Hawkins. Um, he teamed up with LG Mississuda, which became Panasonic, AT&T, MCA, Time Warner, Electronic Arts, and various others to basically create a PC that had defined hardware. I guess to a certain extent... Um, that's that that would be defined as like what we know today as a game console like a pc that runs a very specific processor you know a graphics processor and all that stuff it's just like fixed hardware so that a bunch of people can make consoles and a bunch of people can make games for it so it just basically made pc gaming a little bit easier which kind of explains a lot of what ended up on the console um, and again, it's important to note that trip Hawkins created this because um, Sean I don't know if you know this but uh, Trip Hawkins of, uh, of EA, you know, always said he would never be on console gaming. And they basically stuck to their guns on that with PC gaming for a long time until consoles kind of took over the game space. And they basically reverse engineered the Genesis cartridge and went to Sega and said, we can make our own games, but we'll give you a small licensing fee as long as you'll help promote our games. And Sega agreed to it. And that's pretty much why there is a glut of really good uh, electronic arts properties on the Sega Genesis that are, you know, just predominantly sports games. Yeah. You, you know, I never owned the, the Sega, anything Sega, I don't think. Oh, see, I was a Sega boy. Um, so yeah, I own the Genesis and they, the, uh, the, uh, EA games always had this little yellow tab on them, which made you think they had something special on them, but they didn't, <laughs> they just made the cartridges to look a little different because they manufactured them themselves. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so the idea was that this was going to be a really good idea. And uh, it came out October 4th, 1993. So just over, actually, that play game you were talking to me about on Knuckleball Cast will come out the same day as the 19th anniversary of the 3DO. So there you have it. Um, but uh, And the original versions were produced by Panasonic, which is probably why I know it so well. Because a lot of those infomercials and things like that, that um, and, and commercials you saw in the beginning were touting the Panasonic 3DO. But just so people know, and this probably leads very heavily into why the, the system failed, this system was a licensed system. So they created hardware, but they didn't actually make the game the consoles like Nintendo and Sega did. They basically said, here's how you make it. Now you can buy the permission to make it from us, and you have to make it yourself and make profit off of it. And that creates an interesting scenario. So, uh, Sean, I don't know if you know this, but like when the Wii comes out or when the PS3 comes out and things like that, um, they sell it at a loss. They don't make money off of the sale of that console. And yes, I know Nintendo does stuff where they make like a couple bucks off of the Wii. But um, the reason behind that is they sell it for licensing and Sony makes money off of every game sold. So if you can sell a bunch of games for your console, you make your money back and then some. And that's how that traditionally worked across the board. You know, no console you've ever bought was that cheap to manufacture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. uh, It it makes sense. Right. And so the 3DO was the first of its kind where if you made the console and I I think the big ones that made it were uh, gold star, I believe they made the console you had, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Gold star. Right. Gold star made that Sanyo made another model. And uh, Panasonic was um, responsible for the first two models. All these models of the 3DO were sold with the reality that Panasonic, Gold Star, and Sanyo wouldn't receive any money on the software sold with it. You know, 3DO made that money. So they had to sell the console at a profit. And that's where the mistake comes in because uh, I don't know, Sean, if you bought it at the time that it was released. But if you did, you paid at least 600 for it and most rumored prices in um, stores because they themselves were also trying to make profit off of it. Um, we're selling it for more like 600 Yeah, you know, to, to, to give 700, you... 700 sorry. My, my perspective is, you know, 19 years ago, right? You know, I just celebrated 19 years with my wife, which I just graduated high school. So I was trying to establish credit the mm-hmm. bet the brand new big store best buy just opened and i established credit with them for like a thousand bucks and here was this movie player video game player that i had to have so yes i, I paid top coin for it nice do you recall if um because trip and trip hawkins always swears that the only retail price for this game was uh for this console was six hundred dollars but Almost everyone I talked to says it was seven hundred. I, I remember, for me, it seems like it was like the the six something. Okay. You know, I could probably go back on record and find out exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, you probably could. And uh, but yeah, it, it was a lot of coin, you know. And at the time, you know, the the PS one was was on the verge of release and all that too. So you'd be surprised to know that's not true. Actually, the PS one was more than three years away. Really. Yeah, the Sega CD was brand new at this time. You are talking about a console you picked up at a time when this was unheard of, man. This was this was PC gaming without buying a PC. And even back then, even at 700 bucks, this thing was cheaper than any personal computer you could pick up. And played movies. That was the big it thing. It did. It, it played... Um, 
a version of VCD, but uh, which is known as Video CD or MPEG-1 format for those of you video tech junkies out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, and this was the first console that famously displayed in a resolution of 640 by 480, otherwise <laughs> known as 480p or I in, 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 in this country. And so, I mean, this was the beginning of progressive scan. You know, although the the game console, there wasn't a a way to put it on TVs and support that resolution. So unfortunately, it wasn't on there. But it looked really good on you know a TV that previously supported like half the resolution. So everything just looked sharper on it. You know what I mean? Yes, it did. Yeah, and I mean, so for those that don't know, this was the first thirty-two bit console. This came out. Um, uh, the uh, the the. The 3DO had a uh, 32-bit, 12.5 megahertz ARM60 processor, which sounds so archaic nowadays. <laughs> it ran 32 kilobytes of SRAM. That's what it ran. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the big thing was um, it ran two accelerated video coprocessors that could create 16 million pixels per second. So that was, and they could be distorted, scaled, rotated, all that fun stuff. So, um, uh, Sean, if you've ever heard people talking about on the Super Nintendo with um, uh, Mode 7 graphics where things would get blocky and zoom in and zoom out and rotate around the screen, this could do all that stuff in a much greater way. And in, in truth, it was the first console that could cre create uh, true 3D polygonal gaming, um, which is what it's probably best known for. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what it, it but and, and it had stereo sound and all that fun stuff and of course um, it had a two times speed CD-ROM which is actually important because um, I don't know if you know this Sean but even the PlayStation One didn't have a two times two times CD-ROM so this console was twice as fast read speed as the PlayStation One dude it, so it, it was really remarkable at the time. Yeah, it's crazy to hear all these tech things about it because, you know, I mean, I'm clueless to this. So this is really, really interesting for me also. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was it was really interesting, um, you know, kind of what was on here. And it was interesting how close to a PC this console really was. Um, I, I should also point out um, this console is, I think, the only console I have. I have a uh, almost every. I think I have every console out there except for the Jaguar, and this is the only console that literally has the red, white, and yellow composite video jacks on the back of the console. So in every way, shape, or form, this kind of really tried to emulate a PC. You know, with like you plug things into it, and you know, it, it was kind of supported by everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, no, so from, from all this hardware, what it really meant was the thing looked really freaking cool. Okay. And it was way ahead of its time, which as we've seen throughout the years and we'll kind of see throughout the 3DO's life cycle, um, would be responsible for its failure. You know what I mean? You know, the, the selling point you're, you're talking about the graphics and, and how top of the line it was and ahead of its time. I remember Fred, the thing that sold me on the 3DO was, you know, the, in Best Buy, they they had uh they they had it hooked up to where you could play it and and you could play the game that came with my Gold Star, which was Shockwave Two. Yes, I had never seen like real video footage on a game before, and you're you're driving like these tanks and spaceships around, and like somebody would call to your ship 
and it would be from what I remember, like a real video of the person talking to you. So it's like, it was, it, it blew me away. Shockwave two is really the reason that I bought the three DO. Uh, yeah. Well, and I mean, there were various reasons why, um, a lot of people wanted to own a three DO. I, I, I can honestly tell you, Sean, I didn't get mine until way after <laughs> it was, it, it was out. I think I bought it in 2003. Um, at a classic gaming expo, um, for far less than you did, but uh, trust me, I have probably one of the largest uh, 3DO collections out there, uh, over a hundred games or just around a hundred games, um, and uh, and it's it's amazing. Um, what some people in the chat are talking about that's kind of interesting about the 3DO, and uh, I don't know how many multiplayer games you played with it, but uh, do you remember the controllers used to daisy chain? There's only one controller port, and then you hook the second controller into the first controller. I do remember that. I didn't. I do remember that. Yeah, it was a weird way they did that. Did, um, did it come with one controller? Yes, the console came with one controller and a pack-in game. And I'm I'm guessing you got this game. Um, you tell me. It looks like a weird like next gen. You know what it is? If F Zero and Wipeout had a kid that was not quite as good as Wipeout and not quite as old as F-Zero, it would be this game, which was called Crash and Burn. And I hear it was bundled into all the Panasonic ones, but you got a Gold Star, and I don't know if it came with that. Gold Star came with Shockwave 2 and a soccer game. Oh, that's even better, actually. Shockwave 2 is a really good game. I have that game. And I didn't want it because it was like, you know, I mean, it's like tanks and stuff, and it's, it's not my speed. But this guy told me he was like, you have to understand that in 95, when that game came out, because that's when uh, Shockwave 2 came out, so that kind of dates when you bought it. So, yeah, you are correct. When you bought the 3DO, and I didn't even think about this, it probably didn't get to mainstream retailers for a while. Um, when you bought the 3DO, you're right. The uh, the PS1 was just around the corner. Like it was, People knew it was coming, but it hadn't come out yet. Okay, well, well, well I guess... It, it, then that kind of sums up because, like I said, I wasn't exactly sure. I knew me and Freeman Mommy had just met, but yeah, the PS3, I mean, the PS1 was September '96 was when it came out. Yeah, yeah, I, and I bought too soon. I, you know, I bought, bought. <laughs> I bought the PS1 like at launch too, uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah. I, you know, to sum it up, dude, I was playing soccer and people were playing twisted metal type games. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But, but when you think about the fact that that console had already been out for two years and a lot of people don't talk about this, but I don't know if you know this. Um, did you ever have 3DO arcades in your local arcades? You know, I, I really can't answer that. I'm, I'm not sure Fred. Okay. Um, cause to be honest, um, they, uh, they, they weren't very common. Um, uh, I, I lived in Chicago and there was only one arcade. And it was in downtown, and it still stands today, but it's like a, a shadow of its former self. Um, had a 3DO arcade. And the only reason like I really wanted to play it was because of a, a game that's by Naughty Dog, the guys who made Crash Bandicoot. Uh, it's a horrible Mortal, mortal Kombat ripoff called Way of the Warrior. Um, Way of the Warrior. Yes, yes. And, and, uh, and it's... Uh, <laughs> Way of the Warrior is a ridiculous game. There is an Irish guy who wears a kilt who lifts it up and shoots a fireball at you. And it has um 
it has fire uh, it has fatalities and all kinds of stuff i just posted the link for it uh in the in the chat but uh it was one of those ridiculous ripoffs of um of uh, of of mortal Kombat that that was just it was actually kind of sad but uh but it was an it was an amazing game at the time, and I wanted it really bad. And I used to pump a dollar per play in to play this cheap ass <laughs> game. Um, but I remember that being the reason I wanted the 3DO because you got to understand that that you know I mean for me, I was born in '82, so in '93 when Mortal Kombat came out, I was like 11, and it was the end all be all of human existence. And basically, I spent a good part of my teens just obsessed with. Mortal Kombat clones, you know, and fighting games. I mean, that genre was was huge back then. Yeah, yeah. So I was born in '75, so I was a little, yeah, I, I, a little bit older. Well, you took a look at it and you were like, "Well, okay, I can see why." You know, the teenager in the roller rink, yeah, because those were still around. Um, cared, but uh, but yeah, I I mean, Way of the Warrior is a tough sell now. <laughs> at least tell you that um but uh um but yeah so so anyway uh, long story short with the 3do the reason that it was really cool was with a two times speed um cd-rom drive with full stereo sound and um with enough ram it had two full megabytes of, of of main ram and then a megabyte of vram plus these you know dual processors this console that was so expensive was capable of playing um pc games and i don't know about you freeman but um like that was the big thing that's the big draw with a 3do to today's gamer is if you go back and get it you basically get to see some very interesting and unique um titles that didn't show up anywhere else but you also see some amazing pc ports on there so yeah you know I, I never looked at thought about that, you know, mm -hmm. of the history of it, you know, like going back to it like that. Well, and just for those interested, I've posted the uh, list of games in the chat. So just in case you need a little refresher, um, but uh, um, I'll talk about something in a minute. But since we're, um, you know, just just fresh into the podcast, we're about a fourth of the way through. Um, let's talk about a couple of the games you 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 had or, or dug on 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 your system. I mean, I mean, are, am I correct? Like, even now, when I picked up my 3DO in, in 2003, like, it dazzled me. Like, I, I loved the way the games looked on it. And, and like you said, um, one of my favorite genres of games is the full motion video game, the FMV. And um, most people unanimously despise those games. But I, to this day, probably with my fascination with film, embrace them as this cool way to interact with 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 movies and um and i really linked to those and so to this day like a lot of the cheesy bad fmv games that that showed up on the 3do are still my favorite because they look so much better than the little postage stamp ones we got on on uh, sega cd you know we got like a little refresher on sega cd and then we got them refined on the 3do well see i i remember just like you were talking about you know the pc had made a big jump back then you know and you went from like the Oregon Trail type computers to where they were playing like I remember you know in 12th grade to where they were you, you could watch videos of NASA and it was like real TV on a computer you know which was a huge jump 
from from like the Oregon Trail type games, and then you know you you got this game system that, that comes out, and uh, I, I just remember being blown away by it, dude. And, and even the soccer, the, the FIFA soccer, was, was enjoyable to me, you know. And, and it's it's almost like owning a 3D back then. I, Fred was like, "You're the man," yeah, you know, but because they were so so. Oh, you absolutely were. You were the Sean, man. if I had known you, I you could have charged me a fee to walk into your house and play that console. Because, like you said, like, like like Sega Genesis and Nintendo and things like that it, it had been out. Well, well, here you've got this this Mercedes. I mean, this is the Lamborghini. You know, this thing weighed. Oh yeah, it's heavy. You know, solid. You know, not only can you come over and play my games, but I got Forrest Gump disc that we can. Yeah. Walk- Yes. Okay. So a lot of people are talking about this in the chat, and this is something I want to just straight up come out and, and, and mention this. Okay. So it's hard to tell kind of where these all fit because um, there was the CDI at the same time. So right now I want to just introduce and discard the CDI. The CDI was made by Philips. It was basically, um, I kind of talk about it on the PlayStation podcast that I recently did. Um, it was basically supposed to be an add-on CD-ROM to the Super Nintendo. Um, Nintendo decided not to do it after screwing over Sony on the same thing, which would later become the PlayStation. And so Philips made their own console. But the problem was they didn't have focus. So they made something that happened to play games and happened to play movies, but wasn't really good at doing either. And that's when you saw a lot of... Um, Oh, what is the format? I'm right now blanking on it. VCD ga- uh, movies. And these were MPEG movies. They basically were just MPEG films. You know what I mean? On, on CD-ROMs. And you could fit about 90 minutes. So you could get most movies on there. And, and kind of like what you're saying, Sean. Like, uh, they came out on both consoles. On the 3DO and the CDI. The big thing is the 3DO, um, a lot of those were adapted. Which is kind of a good thing. Because it, it just made them simple movies. You know, kind of like Laserdiscs, only easier. And um, it didn't need all the extra hardware. Um, you know, like your 3DO would play movies out of the box, whereas the CDI had some video controller hardware where, like, nowadays if you're trying to buy them, and I know because I've done that, <laughs> um, you have to make sure it's got the video controller built in or it's not going to know how to read. Um, you know, it's got to have the add-on built into it or it's not going to know how to read certain movies. Whereas, you're right, the 3DO had it, and you could just pop a disc in and watch it, you know? And if I remember right, man, those movies were a fortune. They were. They were like, I want to go out on a limb and say they were 40, 45 bucks a piece. Yeah. But the and thing they, was, what was you, you know, you're used to laser disc. I remember we, we never had a laser disc. Yeah. You know, we went, you know, my parents start off with, with the $600 VCR. But, you know, a lot of my friends had the, the giant laser disc. And yes. It, movies like The Black Hole, Disney's The Black Hole, and stuff like that. Well, now I've got this little compact cd movie player dude i mean it was uh yeah it made me want to flex muscles and be like suck it well yeah because vcd format was mpeg one i mean which was the same as laserdisc they didn't look any better you know what i mean like they were they were uh they were basically cd versions of laserdiscs it was amazing at the time uh it was predominantly a chinese technology that we didn't really want to bring over here and then we finally did with with these two consoles and it's interesting to hear they puttered out because imagine if these had gone mainstream sean like we may have had vcds instead of vhs's for a long time like the failure of these consoles significantly increased the length of time that uh 
that VHS was on the market. Yeah, and it's uh, I I remember Fred when I bought it. It's almost like now if you go buy a game system, you buy a game system. But if they come out with something that was just that blow you away to to you know like you you know yeah, I, I swear, dude. It was one of those items where you're like, you know, maybe I need to go buy a new table for it. You know, is that cool? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, thinking back, dude, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you're making me reminisce so much a- a- about this that I haven't thought about in years. But, I, dude, I was a happy dude, you know, and, and it, this is like in the hype of it. Yeah, no, like, okay, so the 3DO is huge, and it was really out of reach. Um, I, I also want to point out, it was right up there. It's ironic competitors. There was the CDI, and a lot of people are talking about those infomercials late at night. And uh, 3DO did have um, lots of advertising, and I remember them to this day. And, uh, Sean, I, I want to know if you remember this. Do you remember the ad they had with Jurassic Park Interactive? And they had that raptor that looked just lifelike, and they had you, like, confronting him in, like, a – it was in like the the ductwork or something of a building. Yes, and come up and slash you out, and I'd see that scene every time, and I was like, if I ever owned this game, there would be no other game. This is it. This is the end of video games. This is where it ends. This is the most amazing game ever to release. I remember how the raptor looked open in his mouth? I do remember that. Yeah, and that was just huge. And that game sucked so bad. <laughs> I just remember to this day, Sean, I have that game and it's just so bad. It was a mini game collection. But you know what? The graphics on it, like you said, were just amazing. Like I could see myself not caring. Yeah, not caring at all. You know, and, and this is coming from from, you know, somebody that was blown away, you know, that I was blown away with the Atari graphics. Mm-hmm. And- on away with Nintendo, and then, yeah, I was a Nintendo fanboy, so I, n- I never got the Sega stuff. But but I was jealous because Sonic looked so good. I mean, he looked like the arcade. He had you that know? smirk, man. It's that smirk. I don't know what it is about Sonic, but that smirk sells him. But, but if you remember after playing Mario, and then you know your buddy gets a Sega, you know, I was kind of like, you know, down deep inside, I was like, man, that's that's pretty awesome. It's smooth. Yeah, well, your buddy with the Sega wanted to have your Super Nintendo. I promise. <laughs> we all traded it off that was the fun thing about the console wars but um but yeah and so um so 3do kind of like you said it it steps up and it it comes out and it's kind of like a showpiece i mean it really is it had this weird like secondary life as a showpiece for a lot of people you know like rich guys would have it sitting you know how like an iron man where he's got the Wii sitting next to his tv as like a, a status symbol almost which is so weird because it's so cheap. It was the leg lamp. I'm telling you. Yeah, it was. You are totally right. And um, for those that are retro gamers, I, I should probably point out right now, if you're going to go buy a 3DO, and there are reasons to buy 3DOs. Um, there are good reasons to buy 3DOs. And uh, a lot of the people in our chat, and I thank you, those of you who are hanging out with us, um, um, are pointing out the reasons why. And of those reasons... Um, you know, uh, the, there are some just great games. But one thing you need to keep in mind is that these these consoles, while their hardware is tough as nails, they don't age the greatest in terms of, um, I guess I would say, the, the working parts moving around so much. So, Sean, if you had a Gold Star 3DO, 
I believe yours was the one that had the tray that would slide out, right? Yeah, it had a tray that would slide out, and it, it was like it almost had a hum to it to where you're like, bling. Oh, and it was so slick. What? It just, <laughs> it the tray sliding out is still the reason why, even though I know it's so stupid to do, I buy the Sega CD1, you know, that fits underneath and has the tray that slides out. The reason it's dangerous is because the <laughs> the, the tray slide out version would break the bands in it would break and they're impossible to repair nowadays so you have to basically buy a new console so if you can guys the model to get now for the retro gamer and it's i have two versions i have both the panasonics i have the fz1 which has the tray that slides out kind of like the one sean had and then i have the fz10 which is the one i actually game on and that's the top loader it's kind of boring you push down the thing pops up you put the disc in there the reason that's useful as a retro gamer is because it has no parts that can break that you can't put cds into <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, i just posted mine in the chat dude it was like the cadillac oh. yes it yours was yours what that was the premium one that was the one you went into um Oh, what's the store? Brookstone. And they, they had it sitting at the front. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, I'm the type of person, which people follow me on Twitter, know that, that, that you know, I, I can't wait. You know, I got to be there and buy it right then. Yeah, I remember I had a CD player before CD players had speakers, dude. And, and it was made by Sears. And it, you know, it had the RCA cables. They would plug into the big stereo systems. You know, when yeah. you had speakers and stuff dude but uh back when you know cds that used to come in boxes instead of like cd cases mm -hmm. yeah, yeah I, was... I remember they used to come in those and 3do games came in those same boxes those big tall boxes yeah the tall boxes which i would i imagine they're probably worth money now if you had some unopened from oh uh, yeah oh i'm sure they are like the slayer ones dude i remember getting slayer you know Way back then, dude, when, when CDs first come out, but but Gold Star was was, I mean, it was it was like top of the line. Yeah, I, Gold Star was up there with Pioneer, as far as I recall, in the early '90s. Yeah, yeah, and Zenith, you know, Zenith. Yeah, yeah, man, they were an American company. Remember that whole huge rush for America in the '80s? Yeah, <laughs> American-made man. You buy a Zenith. Who cares if it's in this big piece of furniture? You bought a Zenith. Cause see, yeah, you, know, you know, the '80s was all me because I was born in '75. You know, so I was I started kindergarten, 1980. So it, no, I, I'm not gonna lie. I want your life. I wanted to be a teenager in the in the '80s. Like I'm so mad still that I wasn't. And you know, the, the big video game hype and stuff, and going with my uncle and my and my dad and stuff. It was uh, it, it was definitely a moving generation. It, yes, it, it was that time yeah like like my mother she graduated high school in 1969 and i envy her but you know <laughs> yeah i guess growing Just up depends on where you start your timeline yeah i mean we had star wars we had you know uh, you know some of the star wars movies coming out in the 80s like you know the return of the i know you saw return of the jedi in the theaters i bet yeah dude it, let, let me tell you a quick story about this regard. <laughs> sure i went to see return of the jedi in the theater and my mom dropped me and my sister off and we went in, we paid our money, we went to see Return of the Jedi. 30 minutes later, it was over. And I was like, man, I thought Jabba the Hutt was in this one. When <laughs> 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 this started an hour later. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, the second half. <laughs> Not even the second half, dude. It was 30 minutes. <laughs> and I was so upset, dude, Jabba the Hutt wasn't in it. <laughs> 
dude, you have no idea. Okay, so so <laughs> I'll say this real quick because I I actually had a, a, a similar but different experience. So you know um, you know the movie Aliens came out in like '86, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to see it real bad, but my mom was like, you're five. Well, no, I wasn't. I was uh, four years old at that time, but I think at the tail end of it, I was five years old, okay? And I said I wanted to see it real bad, and my mom found like a, a cheap theater or something that was playing it when I was like five or six, and she was like, okay, you can go see this movie, but if you have nightmares or something, I will never trust you that you're ready to see a movie again. And I was like, okay, cool. And I had no idea how stupid that agreement was. No idea. Because that damn film gave me nightmares for at least, at least 30 straight days. I know that feeling, man. And those sleepless nights my mother, to this day, will never let me forget. (laughs) And so so you broke your end of the deal and, and went and slept with mom? I did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like not even, not even with any hint of self control. Like, I'm not kidding you, Sean. Like, I made it to like two in the morning that night. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so bad. And and I just remember because uh, my dad's, you know, the kind of alpha male that like, you know, just kind of when I would get up and go in there, you know, like I don't think he actually said it, but I know he thought it. He was just looked at me and was like, pussy. And just like rolled over and let my mom take care of me, you know. <laughs> Get a mommy boy. <laughs> I've tried to stray from that now, but uh, but yeah, no, like and and so like when, you know, I was I was like uh, I was twelve, thirteen years old, so I was I was getting near high school when this came out. But you know that you know had I been a little bit older, like this would have been my first stupid purchase in college. You know, like I would have killed to have this. And like I said, this was my first big purchase once I got a job and trying to establish credit, dude. So it was like I didn't have to save up for it. I got I got the Best Buy card and mm-hmm. my bag going home with me. So it's win all around, you know. Not Which is so awesome because actually the PlayStation 2 is the uh, my first Best Buy card. Um, I was a little bit older than even you were when you bought this, but... It still was like, you know, it's so interesting how our first Best Buy cards were these um, super priced consoles. You know what I mean? Yeah, super priced. On my end, for sure. Well, on your end, super priced because, yeah, like I was spending, I think it was three or 400 in 2001. This was 95. You were dropping six, seven. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but there was an end result to it that I'll get to, you know, later in the show. You know, I, I kind of turned around i done the the one well, no you if if you want to like you can share it now because i think we're about to uh ping pong game names and uh surprisingly wrap this up yep you know that you know my story is yeah i graduated high school i met freeman mommy in 93 so, so i guess it was about 95 i think you said when we had got it which that's is which that's about right because i, I was working at the same company that i am now I think when I bought that, and like I said, I was trying to establish credit to get me a car. So that's that's how I got my 3D. And I realized, you know, after a while, even though I had this this, I mean, it was like the Ark, you know, for, from Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark, dude. This, yeah. I get lights and a table for it, dude. I mean, it was uh, a fantastic piece of equipment. 
But my bros liked it at first, and they praised me for having it, and we had a lot of fun. But one by one, they started going over to, say, Charlie's house. You know, he, he's got he's got the PS1. And PS1 has, you know, four plugins. You know, mm-hmm. you know to where they were playing games and stuff. So, so in the end, I think I kept it maybe, it was six or seven months, and I actually took it back, Fred. And I made a purchase. I think it was how much was the the PS One? Was it two ninety nine? PS One was two ninety nine ninety nine at retail. Yes, three hundred. Yep. So, so I, I I took it back the six or seven hundred that we paid for it, and I bought the PS One and never regretted it. <laughs> I bet you didn't. Because you know, I mean, you, you know, you got to think. You know, is it was uh, you know, there was many many nights. Uh, to where, you know, we would play all night long. Twisted Metal, man. Twisted Metal 1 was just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Sean, I don't know if you have, and this isn't really as much of a senseless promotion as it sounds like. Um, I highly recommend you go back to my, uh, my podcast I did two weeks ago, which was The Birth of the PlayStation, where I literally follow the PlayStation's inception on the Super Nintendo all the way through to its uh, release. And, I mean, you could go on for more than two hours about all the amazing franchises that were established even within the first two years of the PlayStation. Roth, man. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, that, that was probably... Even though I had the 3DO and, and it was my prized possession, dude, there was nothing like the next gen with the PS1 for me, man. It was just... Uh, Oh yeah, but you know what's a natural high for me. I couldn't wait. You to- know what's impressive to me though is the number of games that are on the 3DO that are PlayStation games. Really? Yeah, like um, just to just to start firing them out real quick, and I mean you can cut me off if there's one you want to talk about. But like Brain Dead 13 was a launch PS1 game. Um, do Crime Patrol? No, that was Sega CD. Sorry. Um, D was definitely a hardcore Saturn PS1 game, and that started on the 3DO. D, I loved, man. You know, that was one of them games that was, it was pre-internet, kinda. You know, I mean, I think there were computers that were kinda out. or You know, it was right around the birth of the internet, right? So it's like, you know, D, there was a lot of hard puzzles. There was a, a video. That was like the birth of the walkthrough. <laughs> And, uh, you know, th- there was a video store that was near my buddy's house and me and Freeman mommy would go over there and, and with him and his girlfriend and we would play D and we would pause the game and send the girls to, to look up with this and resident evil to, to look at the strategy guides because we didn't want to pay the 40, 50 bucks for the strategy guide. Yeah. And I mean, we, I got stuck so much on D dude, but I, but I, I loved it, dude. There was a drawer scene in it. There was a puzzle, and I remember, man. That drawer scene still. Oof. Yeah, you were talking about it last week. I was like, oh. There were six drawers, and you had to open them in certain orders, but it was mm-hmm. just, there's no way. I mean, I don't see how anybody would ever just get it, you know, from what I remember. I mean, it was days. No, it was the old point-and-click adventure. They didn't like you. They hated you. They hated your guts. They wanted you to fail. It was, it was brutal, man. Like... Um, I, we were talking about it in the chat, but doom, the first true blue, like fresh to PC port of doom was on the 3do. Um, Gex, Gex was a big, um, PS one title that, uh, that, uh, made its inception 
uh, way before on the PS or on the 3DO. Um, do, 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 do. Um, I do remember the big one was um, Need for Speed. Remember Need for Speed, Sean? Yes, I do. Believe it or not, that started life as an EA exclusive on the 3DO. Now, granted, Trip Hawkins of EA did build the 3DO, but yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, Need for Speed started life on this console. Man, that's crazy. Uh, Mist, the only console version of Mist before, uh, obviously, the PS1 port and the Saturn port. That was um, a game, man. Yeah, Mist was like hypercard but it was huge back then like it was uh you can make it into a website nowadays but yeah i mean back then um and then i'm trying to see uh i don't think anything else was really big on oh space hulk i remember was a ps1 launch game that was also on 3do star wars rebel assault actually i think that was actually more of a pc sega cd game so i take that back um and then a couple people were talking about it uh theme park was definitely a ps1 game yeah um lots of and then spent there yeah and then wing commander i remember (laughs) the wing commander games were were big ps1 games but at the same time they also had a lot of games that were um that were that were be you know i mean good ports um, in 93, you would get Alone in the Dark, and it would come out day and date on the PS3 or on the 3DO and on the PC, you know. And Alone in the Dark is, you know, I talked about it last week, the first survival horror game. Um, you know, a lot of the games that were on Sega CD and various other CD ROMs got their definitive versions on 3DO first. Um, again, uh, Brain Dead 13 was one of them, Corpse Killer, uh, my personal favorite, Night Trap. Um, Escape from Monster Manor. Did you play any of these games? No, not not the Monster Manor. Okay, these were all those movie games. You know what I mean? Uh, did you ever play Night Trap? Just I have to give a shout out because it's like one of my favorite games of all time. I remember seeing it because you know, like like right at this time there was a place that was uh, kind of near my parents' house. It was just called Video Games, and you would go in there, and it was like one of the first straight up game rental places I'd ever saw. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have those around Chicago? You were- yes, yes, we did. And it, you go in there, and they, they, you know it was just like GameStop, but it, they had more games than GameStop. But it was it was just rental stores, and yeah, I love those, man. Back then, yeah, no, they were amazing because they had things that you wouldn't see anywhere else. And so, okay, so so if you've not played it, Sean, um, Night Trap is basically it's the ultimate B horror movie setup. You're in a lake house, okay. And this family has decided to let five teenage girls come spend the night there. Why they're agreeing to come spend the night there and why this family wants to take them in beyond me. But just level, you know, I mean, just just bear with me here. And in this uh, in this house, there are eight cameras. And so your job in Night Trap is you're this control guy who has discovered that this house is a bunch of traps that can trap people. like, And it traps and kills them. And... Um, and you've taken control of the house. And so now you have access to the cameras. So all eight rooms have an ongoing stream of movie. And anytime somebody enters the screen that's trappable, whether it be good guy or bad guy, you can trap them. And then there are consequences for everything you do. Right. And then if you stick into it long enough, uh, and these guys were hilarious, man. They were called Augs. They were like vampires to be. 
and they were pantyhose people. They were guys with these big jumpsuits that had pantyhose on their face. It was hilarious. They all looked like people robbing a bank, you know? Um, and uh, if you got into it long enough and got near the end, um, you would uh, you would basically uh, find out that the whole family was vampires. And then you could trap them and then the girl gets away. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it was pretty cool. And this was the game that famously was on Sega CD that caused the whole senatorial hearings and stuff like that. Because there was a girl in a 90 that was captured. And if you didn't save her... They would put a drill into her neck, and it would start sucking her blood, and they would take her into a, uh, into a, like a hallway in the mirror, like a hidden room, and um, they said it insinuated rape, and so that was the big deal. But um, Night Trap and many other games like it were just amazing. And again, a lot of these games, Night Trap, Sewer Shark, all these things, were on Sega CD. But the 3DO versions have it like blown up to full screen with like twice the resolution. So everything looks really good. You know, on Sega CD, it all looks like postage stamps and they're really bad video. So I thought that was really cool. You know what I mean? It's in Road Rash. Road Rash had an amazing version on the, uh, on the 3DO. Yeah. Um, lots of P, uh, PC games that are like impossible to run on today's PCs, which I find easier to run on the 3DO is why I picked them up. Uh, games like the, uh, someone was talking about it, the Daedalus Encounter, which starred Wayne's World's Tia Carrere. Remember that? You were uh, It was like a movie game. You were on like a, it was like a weird cyberpunk game. And then there's a game that's voiced by Dennis Hopper. It's called Hell, a cyberpunk adventure. And this game looked cool as hell. And uh, Rob Turbo from Easy Mode Unlocked talked about how he always wanted to play it. And I hunted this down on the 3DO, bought it, and played it for about 30 minutes within like the last couple of weeks. And it was the most horrible game I've ever played, man. <laughs> it was completely unplayable. It was this horrible point-and-click adventure. Yeah, yeah. How, how was Street Fighter 2 on the 3DO? Street Fighter 2 I've told I've been told is like the definitive version. The reason I don't buy it is because it it had a special 6 button controller and the controller sells if you can find it on eBay and various other places for like 150 bucks and then the game itself is another like 90. So I didn't justify it as a good enough game to pay all that money for on the 3do because there's so many ways to get street fighter 2 nowadays that are like arcade perfect ports however i would like to say sean that uh, i've been told it's the definitive home console version because it was like arcade perfect oh can you imagine like back in 94 how huge that would have been to have street fighter arcade perfect like the super championship edition like arcade perfect at your house Dude, that, that would have been awesome. You could have charged people to come in and made your money back in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's almost like that now, though. You know, now, you know, we're talking about back then. There was a game called Incredible Machine. Are, are you familiar with this? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm just sitting here looking at a picture at it. It looked like it. I, I was going to ask if you had any knowledge of it. Um, I, I don't have too much knowledge of the Incredible Machine. I've never played it myself. Um. But I know of it. I, I I sadly don't have what you're looking for. You know how like sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, let me tell you all this stuff you never knew about this <laughs> this game. I don't have anything like that for you. Um, <laughs> it was a PC game based off of a film. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's what I can tell you about it. Uh, it looked like it was really cool, but it was PC intensive. Um, you couldn't play it on other stuff. Um, one thing I will say 
though, uh, was um, oh, what was the game? There was a game on here that was uh, very similar to uh, Hella Cyberpunk Adventure and those those kinds of games that um, wasn't really available anywhere else and had like a definitive version, but I can't remember it now for the life of me. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, basically, if you go back and start collecting um, uh, games for for like FMV games. The best place to find them is on the 3DO. Um, I, I won't lie, though. A lot of these games have become rare and become very expensive. And so what's really funny about this, Sean, is like when I go look and if I take a price guide and start adding up what my 3DO collection's worth, it's probably probably thousands, okay? Yeah. The reality is that if you know anybody who will pay me thousands for this collection, you need to put them in contact with me as fast as possible <laughs> because I don't think I'm ever going to get it. Although you bring up a good point, Sean, I'm going to look into this. The incredible machine was on 3DO and I'm guessing that's what you were trying to tell me. And I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try to hunt this down. I don't have this game and Wolfenstein. Yeah. You know, it's Wolfenstein. I have it's, it's pretty much PC. Perfect. Pod. Yeah. There's, Oh, PO'd? Yeah. Where you were like this pissed off chef? Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, PO. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was PO'd. Um, <laughs> oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you, this is a fun little story. You're going to like this. All right. Samurai Showdown. You familiar with the game? Very popular fighter in the mid-90s. Yes, yes. Okay. So um, it was kind of another one of those that had like very interesting you know, cartoon graphics, but fatalities and stuff like that. So famously, I have this game on the th on the Sega CD, and I don't know if you know this, but there's a glitch on the disc, okay? Um, in today's Gamescape, this wouldn't be a problem. They'd just patch it, and you'd be fine. But there's a glitch on the disc that they never fixed and never re-released where you get to the last boss, and you can't beat him. <laughs> How much would that piss you off? You buy Samurai Showdown for your home console, and you can't beat the last boss. And do they come public with this, or is this... Uh, they've since come public. At at the time, there was no discussion of it. I think it was discussed in EGM for a short spell, but then no one seemed to care because I think like 20 people owned a Sega CD version of Samurai Showdown. <laughs> all right. We, but, go ahead. Oh, well, so the, the 3DO version is actually the only arcade perfect port that uh, because the Sega, the Sega CD would have been the first one, but it has that glitch. They patched it out in uh, 3DO. And 3DO has the only arcade perfect port of uh, Samurai Showdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm sitting here browsing through some games. All right, we got an mm -hmm. official license D&D game, Slayer. Awesome game. Awesome game. Well, it looks awesome. You know, compared to some of the other views that they're giving at the games. And so, yeah, I'm going through, I guess it's the complete library. Psychic Detective. Look pretty awesome. Yeah, Psychic Detective was actually also on PlayStation 1. That was another PlayStation 1 game. It was the end of the CGI era, or the, the full motion video era. That's what it was. It was a full motion video game. But you did a lot of very interesting, I guess I would say interactions. I don't know. It, it, it kind of like, it, it was like you'd watch a movie and then take what they told you in that. Think of like an archaic version of L.A. Noir. Okay. You know what I mean? You'd watch a video and try to deduct what you could from it. Okay. And uh, um, 
the interesting thing about Dungeons and Dragons Slayer to tell you real quick is this is another version, early version of we talked about it with Tokyo Jungle today on the the uh, Knuckleball cast. This is an early version of the roguelike. It would create new dungeons every time you played the game. Right. It, which it, I guess it, I didn't realize it even went back this far. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Well, Rogue was like a 1989 game, and so this 1995 version was this. But it, you know, I mean, you know, back then how like it was a big deal. Like I think they even did it on the Super Nintendo versions. You know, it was a big deal if you stuck to the Dungeons and Dragons rule set, and so all these stuck to those rule sets. Yeah, and it's which I wasn't a big D and D player, but it it was a big deal for them. You know, one game that stands out, and I gotta say, it almost looks next gen to the 3DO. It's a game called Soccer Kid from the steel shot that I'm looking at. That game is amazing. It is because it shows this kid and there's a soccer ball, but there's spikes. You know, the basic platform type game where there's spikes and jumps. and It was, and actually, um, the steel shot that I see. Yeah, no, no, no. Soccer Kid was great, and it was a platformer. It was like an action platformer. Yeah. And... Um, um, surprisingly enough, this is, I don't know if it's in America this way. Maybe it is. It looks like it is in America. It was known as the adventures of kid cleats. I actually don't have soccer kid on the 3do, but I have soccer kid as a super Famicom game. I have a, uh, super Nintendo that can play imports and I've got it on that. Got a Japanese version of soccer kid. All right, here's a little curveball. All right, Madden on here looks good. So, so when did the actual the the Sega Dreamcast? When, when what was the year on it? Sega Dreamcast was two thousand. Oh, okay, nineteen ninety nine, possibly. It was way after that because I remember we all know, and 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 I know you remember like the day you walked in the store and, and you saw the football game on the Dreamcast and you NFL 2K. Yeah. Oh my God. The greatest and soccer or the greatest football game of all time. Which just, just blew us away. But being that, that this is a gaming history one oh one show, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Fred, all right, we're talking, you know, $600 VCRs. We're talking yeah. our game systems. We're talking $2,000 max. Do you think that the technology now is going to be, I mean, how, how more far advanced can you get? Yeah, you know, because I'm sure people said that with the 3DO, like, it can't get better than this. Oh, yeah. Once movies came out, they were like, okay, they're movies. You're done. Um, Somebody like, you go buy a MacBook now, and you're like, man, this is, or like the iPhone 5. Yeah. I mean, 19 years from now, I mean... Well, I think it's going to be subtleties moving forward, especially things like sweat dripping, shadows, uh, day-night cycles, the way the water interacts with you, um, environments. You know what I mean? You, you still play games nowadays where it's almost disheartening when you see like an environment just you know become something you can't manipulate. You know what I mean? Like when you can't break a, a crate, you know, they didn't program that in. And I think when you see these fully uh, manipulative environments, people like me will go back and go, this was a big deal. But the mainstream probably won't care. I still think graphics are taking those jumps strong enough. Like when you see like, uh, what was that movie? Or what was that game? Something Dogs. Sleep, uh, no, not Sleeping Dogs. Uh, It was that one at E3 that Ubisoft is making that's like kind of a cyberpunk hacker game. 
And everyone who's listening to this podcast right now can tell me exactly what it is, but I'm blanking on it because it's like, what, 1130 at night for me, almost one in the morning for you. Um, but I can't remember it. But yeah, it was it, it's it's one of those games where like every time you see like the next gen of what they can do, you're still impressed because our eyes because of HD have come accustomed to noticing just the subtleties and so I really think that's how technology is going to work. Like, no matter how sharp you get, no matter how detailed you get, we're still going to focus in on the littlest things because I, I'm guessing that's just human nature. Yeah. Well, you know, me and JW done that when Halo Reach come out, Fred. And we were, mm -hmm. let's, you know, we've all got the Halo. So let's see the history of Halo. And, and we went back, I think it was Halo 3, something like that. And it was unbearable terrible graphics you know i mean and it's are we that spoiled you know because we actually went back and played like the first one that came out on the 360 dude and it was it was jaw dropping about holy cow we played we actually played that game yeah like it, well and i jokingly call it the nostalgia goggles have you ever <laughs> have you ever gone back and <laughs> played an n64 game they don't look like you remember them yeah yeah i, I can only imagine Oh, they're blurry as ever. Like you, I went back and showed someone Goldeneye, and he thought I was messing with him. He said, "What did you do to your N sixty four? I was like, "Look at it, nothing. That's the cart in the console." <laughs> I even popped the lid, and I was like, "Look, I've even got the RAM expansion that improves the graphics." Well, you know, I almost bought the you know the the Atari thing where it comes with uh, I think it's like thirty games or something like that. And, flashback yeah the flashback and I, and I thought i was like you know what this is going to be should i or should i not you know I, I like i'm not sure if pitfall was on there but like asteroids and all that i used to love the game et back when et was big come out on the and uh there was one conga island that i used to love but i thought yeah i, I put myself as already purchasing the the atari that uh flashback to having it at home thinking god this looks terrible you know, so I really I have a hard time going back to uh, I have a hard time going back to Atari. <laughs> yeah, the Yars Revenge and sometimes Pitfall are the easiest one. And it's weird because they would have all these crazy detail stuff on the boxes. It would be like you know, like like ET, like like with laser beams, and you get there and it's like don't don't. <laughs> Yeah, no, like you, <laughs> I try to show people, I'm like, you know what? I've always wanted to do this and I think I might, but it's going to just take a little bit of work. I want to go through and look at like 70 Atari games and compare their box art to their game. Yeah, you, dude, that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like Pitfall, like Indiana Jones with his lasso. And, and I'm not even sure if he had two legs. I mean, <laughs> He might not have, you know, and now that I think about it, I don't know. Wow. You know, I mean, that really dates you. But yeah, like, and then you sit there and look at the 3DO. Like, look how far we came in 10 years. Yeah. And 1983 to 1993. Like, it's it's mind boggling. Um, And there's one other thing I want to talk about with the 3DO. And I guess we'll go a little long, but we're only at 59 minutes. So this isn't bad for, for this podcast. I, I, I'm willing to sacrifice 10 minutes for this. So, Sean, do you remember the other part of the 3DO? The part that made it so much a PC game? And it's the only console that is known for this one specific thing to date. 
Ah. And you'll never guess it. So if you want to give up right now, you can. So it was known for one specific thing. Well, no, it won't be universally known. But if you look back and you're specifically looking for this one thing, this is the one thing that 3DO did that no other console did before it and will never do since it. I have no clue. Porn games. The 3DO is the only console that has porn games just like the PC did. Damn. Well, Atari, they were naked. No, no, no. But I'm talking full movie porn games. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even realize that. I may have known at the time about it, but I don't recall it. Right, and I know a lot of people probably criticize that. They're like, well, why is that important? And I don't know that it's important. I, I'm not going to presume that it's even remotely important. But it is something that's interesting to note because you know what happens nowadays, right? If anything even remotely looks like porn or gets an AO rating, much like we saw with Manhunt 2, uh, the console manufacturers just say, no, no, we're not going to do it. You know, Sony's like, no, you, this will not hit store shelves for our console. Nintendo definitely puts the kibosh on it, and Microsoft's the same way. But on the PC side, because it's openware, it doesn't matter what Microsoft says because they can't stop Windows from supporting it because it's just an operating system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same was true for the 3DO. The 3DO was essentially a piece of fixed PC hardware. So as a result, um, and I, I don't personally have most of these games. I do. I can't lie. I do have a couple of the quote-unquote porn games, but uh, they're pretty tame by today's audiences. But I know that some of these are hardcore, old-school, man, like in every which way, shape, or form, triple X porn games. And so there are games like The Coven. And I, again, don't have this game, but I've heard it's a porno movie. And it's not even like a game, really. It's just a porno movie. It just plays. Um, but the closest thing to it that I do have, and these are games, though. I mean, I'll give them credit. And they even censor themselves. There's codes to remove the censorship, um, and they're not hardcore porn. Um, but one of them was Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. I do have this game. I remember I wanted this game since the day that um, I saw it in EGM. There's a, there's a scene, and I think it's the only porn scene in the whole movie, or like the only nudity in the whole game, was a girl taking a shower. And you could put in a special code, and it was actually kind of long-winded and hard to put in and uh they blocked out her her breasts and you could see them in all their glory if you put in this code man that is yeah that's just unheard of you know this is yeah in, in today's society it wouldn't be necessary because if you have an internet connection you can no pun intended blow that away in a heartbeat but uh but back in the day man can you imagine that like being 13 years old and finding out there's a game on the market that you could go in and buy and your mom wouldn't know any better and it had like bare breasts in it movie bare breasts oh my god that that like changed everything man and it's weird looking at it as a as a man because you waited so long and then you know now you're growing up and you don't care anymore <laughs> um there's another game and i can't remember it but for those that want to look it up you can find it uh and it's again it's not a porn game it just has very adult themes so um so again, it's uh, and I think I own it, but I can't remember now if it was too expensive or not. But there's a game, and um, Broken Pixel, which was a one-up thing where they played really bad video games, uh, uh, featured it, and it was a game where you would go like, it was kind of like Psychic Detective. You'd go talk to people and you'd try to solve a mystery 
but there were like adult themes like you would do drugs and there was all kinds of crazy stuff in it and it was a movie game and so it was like an nc-17 or something game um but yeah I, like i said i think that was also interesting with the 3do it was the only time where you could buy um you know literally porn games i'm sure in in porn shops they the, the games were there which is really ironic because like who what's the chance that you're gonna walk into a porn shop and own a 3do and suddenly go oh here's the perfect solution this laser disc or whatever you know what i mean yeah and it's but uh but it's interesting yeah. like i said uh i had no clue dude i really didn't yeah, and, and again, it's not something where you go brag to someone. You're not like I'm buying the 3DO, and you know it was it had porn games on it. You know, people are like, "That's that's good of it," <laughs> you know. But uh, but it's interesting. Like I said, uh, again, um, the the games are hard to find, and they're really expensive. And I just don't care that much. You know, you can just read about them and find out what they are. Um, I would also like to point out, and Sean, uh, this is kind of the. The end, and I, I was curious, because uh, I'll give you a chance to ask any final questions, but uh, I was curious as to what your favorite game on the console was, um, because um, the, especially if, it, if it's a game that you know didn't come out anywhere else. And my, my personal favorite um, <clears throat> was Dennis Miller, That's News to Me. It was almost like a, a comedy of... Uh, of um, of De- it's like a comedy hour of Dennis Miller's where he just basically makes fun of the news. It was like him doing his w- weekend updates uh, shtick only uh, on a video game. It's weird. You know what I mean? It seems like a lot of things sold like that back then, you know, like 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 Madden and celebrities and video games. But, uh, dude, I, I got to say, I, I know that, that hands down, dude, I spent more time playing Shockwave 2 more than any, you know, for me, I, I've always been a flight simulator type person, the Jane's combat simulations to the mm-hmm. soft, uh, you know, all, all the simulations that they have. But I remember just getting a natural high of, of, of controlling the tanks and like the aircraft and things in this game, dude. And hands down, man, shockwave two blew everything away from me. That was my favorite. Well, you will be happy to know. I do have shockwave two because someone pushed it on me. But unfortunately, um, it seems to have lost its value since I bought it for 40 freaking dollars. Because, you know what, Sean? If you had a 3DO, you could buy that right now for 8 bucks on eBay. Really? And, and that is a steal for that game. And if I'm, if I'm right, wasn't there like little videos or something that would come up with people? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, there were cutscenes. I think it's two discs. And uh, it, it was just something that, that I'd never seen before in a video game. And it- yeah, it's it's two discs, man. There is a guy who's selling Shockwave Two right now, both discs and everything. Buy it now is eight forty nine, and it's free shipping. The thing looks in mint condition. Darn, maybe I need to get it and then put it on there for like sixteen dollars. <laughs> there is one guy who has a perfect version of it with the full big box like we were talking about yeah and he wants 40 for it so i guess that's what it's worth huge but you know what like like i'm not kidding you sean i must have paid 30 40 bucks for it yeah yeah i i can imagine you know but yeah that's the thing with ebay dude it's just uh pick and choose well, and like trends, I'm guessing the 3DO has probably fallen from grace. Holy shit, Sean. Actually, this is an even bigger deal. Sealed. Sealed copy, Sean. Right off the, you know, shelves of Babbage's. 30 bucks. Babbage's. 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I I was uh I wasn't rich enough to shop at Babbage's. <laughs> I don't think any of us were. But uh but yeah, for those that know what that is, 30 bucks, man, sealed, still in package. That's some kid's dream never fulfilled. <laughs> it's available on eBay for 29.99 and the guy's got a 100% uh stat rating over 500 uh transactions that's a safe bet that's amazing i paid more for it used than this guy wants for a sealed copy i'm almost tempted to buy it just to have a sealed copy of a game that people hold so dearly so what does miss rojas say about that uh, about me spending that money yeah <laughs> uh we actually have a very good deal going um we basically you know kind of pool and co-op our our, our money towards one big world and then the leftover money, and it's always good when there's a plus sign at the end of your bills, and we always have one. We take that fat stack, and we give like a third to the family and then a third to each of us. And Julie and I get to spend it however we want to, and no one judges. Uh, well, that's nice. Yeah, that's so when she waltzes in the door with a coach purse, I don't question it. And you do know this is all going to fall apart once our child gets old enough to spend her own money, though. Well, see, like in, in Freeman Kingdom, you know, Freeman Mommy pays all the bills. And, uh, dude, I've never paid a bill or anything, dude. I, I just work for <laughs> – she loves me, dude. She really does. <laughs> I can tell. Well, and, and like I said, I pay the bills if only because she tried it for a heartbeat. And it wasn't like she didn't want to do it or anything. But I was so up in her grill wanting to know the details that she was – she threw her hands up and she goes – I love you and I married you and I want to be with you. And so in order for this to work, you are going to have to do the bills. <laughs> but, but I mean, like Freeman mommy takes care of the bills. <laughs> That's what I mean. She took care of the bills and I was that guy who I just couldn't stop from. Like, I was like the puppy dog who couldn't stop from sniffing around too much. Yeah. Like I just wanted an explanation for everything. And she goes, don't worry. It, it worked out. I did it. The, the money, it all makes sense. And it's written down. And I was like, no, I want you to be more specific. And she was like, I'm out. <laughs> Just save our marriage and do this over. Well, she does it, but you know, she 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 does a lot better uh, financially than I do at work. <laughs> so, well, there you go. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, see, my my wife's the breadwinner for our family. I'm not too proud to admit it, and so that's kind of my contention. I'm like, okay, well, since you cook most of the time and I only cook part time, and it's usually on the grill then uh okay cool i'll do the bills <laughs> if it's in a pot she cooks it if it's in a pan or grill it's me that's awesome i think that's a pretty good uh assumption same thing with us yeah spaghetti anything in a pot dude chili beans is yep is her pan absolutely uh, grill is me mm -hmm. it's been fun hanging with you fred yeah, it's been awesome, man. And thank you for being on the show. Um, again, it's our longest one yet, but, uh, you know, hour and 15 minutes, I think uh, I think our audiences may actually appreciate it. But, uh, Sean, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about where we can find you because you've got some great shows out there. But real quick, I'm going to entice some of our listeners. So for those of you that listen to Gaming History 101 and uh, for those of you that uh, want to get your friends involved, um, I try to get you guys to get involved and I offered a free retro game. So it looks like I'm going to have to up the ante in order for you guys to get involved. So 
For now, if you get on our site and ask a question, give a comment, send an email, or ask anything on Twitter or whatnot about any of our podcasts for the month of October, I'm going to pick one random guest that not, or one random winner that will not only get an awesome retro game from me, and you don't know what console it's going to be or anything, you're also going to get a signed copy by me. I'm going to deface this thing and sign it. Because you know my signature just makes everything worth more. (laughs) So if you want a truly unique copy of a retro game, you need to start commenting on our website. So go to GamingHistory101.com. Get on iTunes. Leave a review. Good, bad, or indifferent. Just please tell me what I'm doing good, bad, or indifferently. Um, Get on there. Get your name out there. Ask me a question. Anything. You can ask me something stupid. The only thing I do not accept are people who jump on and do comments like, first or this sucked, or anything like that, tell me why it sucked. That's cool if it sucked. Just tell me why and I'll fix it. Um, Also, if you have any show ideas, definitely let me know. Um, Actually, I recently got a show idea, and uh, Sean, I'm kind of curious what you think about this. Um, Somebody actually reached out to me and gave me a show idea um, that kind of branches off of last week's show. So last week's show was a um, survival horror podcast. I was talking about all the survival horror games. And a uh, user by the name of Useless Bug said, you know, it's totally cool that you guys are doing that you did this cast. He goes, but what about some of the lesser known survival horror games? And he brought out um, Enemy Zero and Rule of Rose. And he's making a good point. These are games that aren't that expensive and they're kind of obscure survival horror games that maybe no one's going to play. So at least I can talk about them. So for him, I'm going to be playing those games and uh, doing a podcast right around Halloween for that. So um, you can you guys can look for that. And in the meantime, we're going to have some fun stuff. Also, for anybody who wants to play along, we are doing uh, me and Rob Trees Lounge from uh, Easy Mode Unlocked are playing the Sega Genesis game Mickey Mouse Castle of Illusion for the end of the month. So look for us uh, talking about that playthrough on a podcast coming up soon. All right. So, Sean, where can we find you on the interwebs? Yep, I do a show called ZombieCast over at ZombieCast.net, and it's, uh, you know, we, we have uh, a lot of people, you know, we've had people from The Walking Dead uh, do stuff for our show. Uh, you know, it, it's just a good time talking about zombies in The Walking Dead, but check it out uh, over at ZombieCast.net, and I also do another show here on on uh, or on All Games Radio called uh, Knuckleball Cast, which is over at KnuckleballCast.Podbean.com. But uh, and find, look me up on Twitter. I'm at Freeman Daddy Five. Excellent. And yes, definitely, definitely follow him, Sean. You got a great show, and uh, I continually love both of them. And like you said so many times, but I don't, I don't think you said it right here. Uh, you don't have to just be into zombies to listen to ZombieCast. There is a lot of uh, content that's good for um, all listeners. So I definitely recommend people check it out. It's a very good cast. And you know, a lot of our fans are not zombie fans but you know we were listed on amc.com the walking dead is uh is uh we won the featured podcast over there so yeah that's saying something i guess so uh, yeah that's saying a lot yes.net yeah so and then if you want to find me obviously i do the b team podcast uh at uh, 9 p.m eastern on thursday nights on allgames.com and then obviously gaming history 101 where you can find this and many other podcasts or uh, many other podcasts on the same theory or topic. And um, we're, of course, on iTunes. So 
check us out there. And in the meantime, uh, I think we're going to call this a wrap. So, uh, Sean, thank you very much for joining me and talking about the beloved console that few have played called the 3DO. Yep. Thanks for having me, bro. Definitely.